Hey, this is Joel Oates, lead pastor of Real Life Church, and you're listening to Beyond the Sermon. Each week, we get the opportunity to dig just a little bit deeper into Sunday's message and offer a little bit more truth and clarity to what was spoken and how it can benefit both you and me in our daily walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Let's jump in. Hey, church family, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Sermon. Uh, this is your host, Dennis Garcia. I am the small groups and discipleship pastor here at Real Life Church, and it's great to be with you again this week. And I am so thrilled uh, to have Pastor Roy with us, who who gave an amazing message on Sunday. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, make sure you find it on our YouTube channel or on our podcast. Uh, trust me, you want to hear this message. Thank you so much for being here today, Roy. Hey, Dennis, thank you for having me, and thank you for making yourself readily available for these podcasts. Uh, we are enjoying these episodes week to week. It's always an honor, as you know, anytime you have an opportunity to share God's Word to our church family or any church family or, or, or body of believers, if you will. But uh, it's a responsibility, it's an honor, and I'm grateful for it. And so I look forward to our time together. Great. And and so for those of you that, that may be new to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, this is just a time where we get together and and go beyond the sermon. We talk a little bit more about uh, the message that was presented on Sunday. We're able to get into some some things that uh, Pastor Roy may not have been able to bring up uh, on Sunday just because of time constraints or or thoughts that have come up since then. So uh, with that being said, let, let's dive right in. Um, first of all, th- this it was a, a tremendous passage to try and, and preach. There's, there's so much stuff here, and I can't imagine how much you've left on uh, the cutting room floor. Uh, but as you think through all the things that you had to leave out of your message, uh, what was like the, the the one thought that you said, man, if I just had five more minutes, I would have loved to included this as, as part of the message? Wow, that is a tough question because you are right, Dennis. And I, I typically say I'm not, I'm a man of few words, but this passage of scriptures, what, 11, 12 scriptures, I suppose, um, man, was so challenging because not that there's nothing there to speak on, that there was so much. It is such a rich uh, group of verses, Bible verses, and so there was so much. Now, what is the thing I wish I had had more time to share? Probably the way the passage concluded, to be honest with you, and, and we'll, we'll get there. I'll maybe save that for um, later in our time together, but I think the last two or three verses of the chapter, they're rich indeed, but Frankly, by the time I got there, I just kind of had to to summarize them. Yeah, it, it, and and like you said, there, there's just so much to try and get to, and and it's hard, right? When when you're you're preaching, I, as I was a young preacher trying to learn how to preach, it, it was always I never had a problem knowing what to say. It was it was what do I cut? That was always a hard thing. And 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 the last time I preached, I went 45 minutes, so some would probably say it's still a hard thing uh, for me. Uh, as we we look at this passage, kind of the the big idea of this passage is that in Christ we are one, right? Yes. Paul's specifically talking about Jews and Gentiles and the division that that brought. Um, that's not really as big of an issue for us today, the the Jew and Gentile division, as it was for the people in this this first century. Uh, but what are some of those dividing lines that that we have to face in the church today that we need to start to see through the lens of unity in Christ? Yeah, good point. And I'm sure every listener is immediately thinking of all of the dividing factors that are in our modern world. You're right, Jew and Gentile, not so much a big deal anymore, especially for us in the United States. And yet, division is as real today as it ever has been. So, wow, you ask, what are those 
the, what are those divisions? Well, naturally, I, I first go to just the racial tension and the racial divide that unfortunately still seems to be alive in much of the world today. And then my mind goes to then the church. What, what about the church, right? Christ came to unify us. He, in fact, one of the verses of our text says that he, his price on the cross reconciled man to God, but it also reconciled one to another. In other words, he was speaking specifically of Jew and Gentile, but it was the reconciliation for mankind. We are meant to be unified under Christ. And yet, Dennis, I don't know about you, I don't see that. Um, I, I would love to see that way more than I do. Yeah, that that's definitely missing um, in in a lot of churches and denominations, um, even within the context of of our own local church. Right, um, I think of of how how many divisions have arisen over the last couple of years. Uh, things that we have let divide the church, uh, whether it's um, uh, mask or no mask. Mm. Um, Vax or no vax, uh, you know when when uh, the mask mandate was lifted last year, uh, we had uh, when I was at an, at another church. We had a ton of people that started coming back because they didn't have to wear a mask. We had the same number of people that stopped coming because we weren't requiring masks. Right, and and so you know we we saw very clear and plain this division just between the opinion of of mask or no mask, um, and then then we see I mean the the list could go on and on and on of of those things that divide us that we have have essentially placed as a higher priority over the unity that we have in Christ. Right, and that's the unfortunate part, right? That it becomes, our division becomes a higher priority than our unity in Christ. And I want to comment about the whole max, or or the vax, no vax, or mask, or no mask. I was speaking with someone recently, and he was asking, or kind of commenting that, man, that must have been a challenging season. Not that it's entirely over, but we we certainly can hope so, right? And pray pray that it is. But I was saying, yeah, you know, oftentimes you look at, I've always kind of looked at the world as divided in thirds. You have a third passionately for, a third passionately against, and you have a kind of a, a third that's in the middle that really has no opinion either way. But this season, it seemed to divide our world into two halves, no longer thirds. There was 50% roughly, I'm speaking generally, for, 50% against, and it didn't matter which issue reared its ugly head. And this may not be a a welcome thought from a pastor, but a lot of times our our job, our responsibility is to sort of uh, keep us all from the two extremes and to kind of find that happy medium or that middle ground. And we were talking, the middle ground was no more. So you were either for or against, and there was no way to win that. And so it was a challenging season for those in church leadership. It was a challenging season for uh, those in churches because oftentimes, you know, the the person on the other side of the debate was our friend, was our brother. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, it was it was almost like a civil war um, over something a lot less consequential than the abolishing of slavery. Um, so it, it 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 took an emotional toll. Um, on our churches. We know from Scripture that, that we have an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the ways that he he destroys is, is by dividing God's people. Um, I truly believe that he, that's one of his tactics to destroy the effectiveness of the church is by destroying the unity we have. Why do we fall so easily prey to, to that tactic? I think we want to be right. Mm. And I think naturally in my human nature... 
for me to be right, I have to analyze why you're wrong. And it's it's the classic devil's advocate, right? Someone mentions something and your brain immediately begins to spin it to, well, I understand what you're saying, however, right? It's the howevers of, of our culture and our personalities. And so I'm always questioning what you're saying or what you're believing or what your opinion is. I'm questioning it with that however, because I want to be right at the end of the day, right? It's our selfish nature. It's that sin nature that's in all of us that... Jesus tells us to prefer one another. Well, that is contrary to the nature that is unfortunately in us through Adam's original sin. That nature brings selfishness. And so, no, I want you to prefer me. I don't want to prefer you, right? And so everything Christ calls us to is counterintuitive to what sin has done to mankind. That's why Jesus came, right? Because we would never fix it on our own. He didn't give us the law to fix us, right? The Bible says it was the tutor, right? It was to point us and bring us to the day that Jesus would come to earth and die on the cross. That was the only option. That was the only way. That was the only thing that was ever going to heal this divide or to make a way where before there was no way. So to answer your question, again, it's it, it, I think it's just the selfish nature of humanity. If you think black, I must think white, and vice versa. And and in in doing so, trying to win the argument, um, we end up losing the relationship, right? And and that is is one of the unintended consequences and collateral damage that comes from that that attitude of I have to be right. And so we 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 see this in, in our world on full display right now. Um, just the divisions all around us. Uh, but you pointed out in your message two small but incredibly important words, but now. Mm, thank you. And, and what difference does the but now make in, in our lives today and in our church? It makes all the difference, right? Without the but now, without what that verse is telling us, um, we're hopeless. We're still, as Paul said in that passage, we're still in the world. None of us would argue that we're not. But he said that you were without hope and without God. And unless the but now came, that's where we would still find ourselves hopeless, without hope, without God. But now, but now is Jesus came, right? But mm-hmm. now is he did pay that price. But now is he did make a way for reconciliation between man and God and, and even man to man, as we'll see in the passage. But uh, wow, yeah, what difference does but now make? All the difference in the world. Amen. And yet... It was, it was a difference moment that was established at the foundation of the world, the Bible says. Yeah. That always blows my mind that God knew before he spoke or breathed life into Adam, he knew what the choices that Adam would be making. He knew the price that he would ultimately have to pay. Some thousands of mm. years later is ultimately how it worked out in his timeline. But the lamb, Jesus, was slain at the foundation of the world. It was always his plan, right? The cross was never an afterthought. The, it was never about the law. It was never about these rules and regulations. The, the cross was the original plan. That The gospel was always what God had planned for humanity and Mm. planned to reconcile man to himself, right? It's his grace, it's his love and compassion for us that led him to to birth this plan, this plan of the cross, of of he clothing himself in flesh and coming to the earth as his son and, and 
only to sacrifice himself. That's the but now. It made all the difference in the world. Oh, man, that's that's great. Um, I know a lot of times when talking about unity, there's a misunderstanding between unity and uniformity, right? And and yes, we, we see in Christ there is no Jews and Gentiles. That doesn't mean that they cease to be Jews and Gentiles. So what? how do you reconcile you know, those two things, our, our diversity within unity or unity and diversity all at the same time? Yeah, I, you know, I quickly go to marriage as an example of that. Uh, it's kind of the uh, the two become one, but that one is so much more interesting. So much, uh, there's more intelligence, right? It's the whole multiple brains theory. Uh, man, I think of Leslie and our relationship now married nearly thirty years. You know what? Leslie has never become Roy in that time together. Roy has never become Leslie. We never will. We're still our individual beings with our different personalities and and the different quirks and likes and dislikes. And yet the unity of us as a couple, that two becoming one, that was God's intention. That was his plan for marriage, right? It's that, man, my life is so enriched because of my relationship with Leslie and hopefully hers too because of her relationship with me. I'm, I'm grateful to have gone through this life this thus far at least with her as my partner, my life mate, and not to make her become me, but so that where I'm weak, she completes me, right? The, the, the Bible calls even our bride our helpmate, right? It's it's those weaknesses about us, those things that I might might not have the giftings from God to actually even think through or to navigate or to accomplish. That's usually where Leslie comes in aside me and completes me. It's the two puzzle pieces that, that are necessary to make the picture. And so the unity that exists where there are differences, that's a special, beautiful, powerful unity. Even our church staff, right? It's every person on this incredible team is that different puzzle piece without which we're incomplete. And yet when you bring your gifts to the table and all of our team brings their gifts to the table, that's why we can be the staff that we are and called of God to to lead this church and to help this church and this body navigate through these difficult trials and seasons that we find ourselves in. So we're unified as a team. But you know, you've been in those meetings. There are different ideas, different opinions, different suggestions, and yet the best idea and plan comes from those meetings when we've all shared and God takes every idea and somehow massages it and molds it into what he always intended, right? So that's the unity that that results from not uniformity, but us submitting one to another, right, as he calls us to do. It's us bringing our ideas, but also humility. I don't have to win. That's where unity comes. That's so good, and I love that analogy to to marriage, right? Paul Paul talks a lot about when he's talking about unity and diversity, uh, the the body of Christ, right? And we're not all an eye, we're not all an ear. We all have different functions, but we are part of the same body. And then, as we'll get to later in the series in Ephesians five, he equates marriage to the body of Christ. Um, and so, yeah, that that's a great picture to look at. Yes, we we do have we are one as a married couple, uh, but that doesn't mean we lose our individuality or we lose our uniqueness and our backgrounds that we bring. Um, we still have that diversity as individuals, but we are we are one. And the same thing happens in the church. We are one in Christ, even though we bring different experiences and backgrounds and and gifts and abilities. So I love that you uh, you went to marriage because I think that's a perfect 
picture of how we get unity without uniformity. Um, so in, in this passage, it's kind of broken into three sections. We have the, the problem, you, you know, at the beginning, and then we have the but now. Um, and, and he wraps up with, in verse 19, he says, so then, right? The so what? Uh, how, how, how do we live this out? You know, yes, we understand who we were, what Christ did, and he's getting to the, the so then, this is how you should live. And, and in that, uh, at the end of this passage, he talks about, uh, he gives us three different word pictures uh, for us that, that are Christians. We're citizens, uh, we, were, we were foreigners, and now we're citizens. Um, we are now members of God's household, so we're part of a family, but we're also stones that have been built up into um, this building that, that God is, is, is putting together. Um, of those kind of three pictures, which one is most meaningful to you and, and why? Good question, and I'm glad you asked. Uh, you know, you asked in the beginning, what section do I wish I had had more time with? And I said it was this section. It was what wrapped up the chapter. Um, two of them really speak, all, all three speak to me, but two stand out just in, in light of your question. One, I think of the citizenship, and then more, more than that, the family. And when I think of those terms even, I can't help but think of our family and specifically our our fourth child, Jillian, uh, many of our listeners probably have met or know Jillian, but she was adopted from China when she was 17 months old, and she's now nearly 16. And, you know, both of those things changed in her her life and ours uh, through that experience. We traveled to China. We were with 16 other families, all had the same dream, all had bathed that dream in much prayer, all had raised the funds necessary, and we're all excited uh, probably nervously excited, right? This is a big deal. And I think a citizenship changed in that moment. And I remember walking through those steps and frankly jumping through the hoops of changing her citizenship from China to the United States. And listen, I'm born and bred here. I think this is the greatest country in the world. It has its flaws and, and weaknesses, and yet I wouldn't want to be a citizen of any other country in our world today, uh, speaking naturally, right? And we jumped through those hoops and Jillian became a citizen. But even bigger than that, uh, she also experienced a family change. You, um, you know, I don't often talk about this, but Jillian, along with millions of uh, infants in China, are abandoned by their biological families. And it's, it's sad. It's tragic. It's not always uh, their choice, if you will. It's just giving in to the the system, quite uh, frankly, and it's it's sad. And yet, we're there. We had spent thousands of dollars, did all of the all of the travel, all of the prep, all of the paperwork, um, longing to accept her and embrace her and include her in our family. And when I think of that, she she is as much a part of our family as anybody is. Right? We have four children. And each of those four are heirs to whatever estate I'm able to leave one of these days, right? They, they all might share in paying off my debts, perhaps. I'm not <laughs> sure. But no one has greater rights than the other. And when I think of this passage and how chapter 2 concludes, that's where I go, that, that because of Jesus, because of His gift to us, right? Because of the but now that we've already talked about, we're members of God's household. We're members of his family. We we have citizenship in a new kingdom. And that is just, man, I, I can't even put it into words about what that means for me. And, and you or I, going back to the beginning of how this chapter even opens, 
you know, we were those Gentiles, right? And before the but now, again, we were without hope, without God, without access to Him, and suddenly now we're, we're citizens of His kingdom and we're, we're members of His household. We are in His family, and it's an eternal family that will last forever. And so, Dennis, that's where my mind goes when I think of how the chapter concludes, and that's what I didn't have time to share on Sunday, so I, I appreciate you asking the question. Wow, that is that is so good, and... Um just gives a lot to think about, right? Because even even going back to the earlier question about diversity and unity and how do we have unity and not uniformity, um, you know, we look at our families and, and even even our our family where we both of our kids are are biological kids, and you have four people in our family, and and none of them uh, have the same personality, <laughs> you know, and and so it, it, the family is, is is again a beautiful picture of what that looks like. And over and over again in Scripture, we are told that we are the family of God. Um, so as as you go about this week, as you're you're meditating on this passage, as as you're thinking through the the message you heard on Sunday and the podcast today, I want to encourage you. Um, all of us have, even if it's a small part of our mind, we we all we all have a category of people that are those people, right? That that there's some kind of division. Oh, those people. Um, my encouragement to you is is let God bring a different attitude uh, as you are around, quote unquote, those people, and and remind you that that in Christ we are one. There is no us. And them, the the cross brings us together, and, and we are one in the blood of Christ, so that we can live together as a family. Uh, Roy, thank you so much for the message on Sunday. Thank you for the extra insight we we gained today. Um, it, it was fantastic. I, I learned a, a ton more today, uh, just like I, I did on Sunday. So really um, appreciate all that that you put into this message. Thanks again, Dennis. This has been fun. Well, we hope you you folks have a, a great week, and we look forward to being with you this coming Sunday as we continue our series through the book of Ephesians. Have a great week, and God bless. Well, thank you for joining us. It's because of you that this ministry is possible and allows us to continue to help bring the lost people that don't know Jesus Christ just one step closer to knowing who he is. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you share this with a couple friends? And and by the way, don't forget to subscribe so that you're the first to know when brand new content begins to come out. Click the share buttons, post to your social media, tag us at Get Real Life. For more information, please visit getreallife.org. Thanks again for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time.